This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation, man to man. No excuses are offered. None accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk man. I back it up. And we are sock full of that, man. right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. And that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold said so. If you're going to blitz, come strong, but don't come at all. Coming strong with another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. I am Jeff Howe. Let's not waste any time and get right into this week's presentation. He is the master of the soundboard, the dropshipping extraordinaire, our lead research analyst here on Longhorn Blitz. He is Matt Butler. How are you, sir? Doing pretty well, man. How about yourself? Not too shabby. Not too shabby. Got one last vacation in last week. There so you go. Got a couple days. <laughs> Relaxation. So. Uh, yeah, you know, it was good times. Uh, Matt, anything on your docket that you're working on? Uh, well, uh, personally, looking forward to actually getting some Tiger Woods back tomorrow and then some NBA stuff. But yep. now, Texas, uh, you piqued my interest with some info that you want to bring up. And then also there were some things that I noticed just the last couple of weeks looking back at previous Texas teams and how much you can really change the dynamic of a game just with one really underappreciated side of the ball in special teams. Yeah, I, f- I feel like we're running the risk of repeating ourselves on some of this stuff, guys. But we're at the point now where I feel like we've been in the off season for like <laughs> – a year and a half, so no spring ball, no actual be, football in the spring is what right, killed you. No team related stuff, more conceptual stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. A man who could talk team related stuff, he could talk conceptual stuff. He is a football theorist, and he is our lockdown corner here on Longhorn Blitz. Lifetime Longhorn, 2002 UT All-American, 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award. Fourth-round draft choice of the New York Giants in 2003. Spent his NFL career with Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats in the CFL. When he was done with football, he got himself back to Austin, Texas in the 40 Acres where he earned his degree. Whenever that T-ring comes in, we will make sure he wears it proudly. Nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU. And when you get that All-American honor recognized by the NCAA, they make sure you get one of those black cards. Number 21 in your program. Number one in your hearts, Mr. Rob Babers. Thank you for the intro, brother. No problem. I appreciate it, as always. Uh, let's start, guys, with some of the topical news. We won't spend a ton of time on this because, uh, you know, there's really only so much you can say about it, I think. Uh, but sweeping changes at the University of Texas, <clears throat> we know now a couple of things as they relate to football will happen. One, there will be a statue erected of Julius Whittier. We don't know where that statue is going to be, when it's going to be finished, etc. But it is coming. It'll be bigger than Earl Campbell's statue. Yes, that is. Via Earl Campbell's request. That is the word. (laughs) Uh, Speaking of Earl Campbell, the venue, the Longhorn football venue, has officially undergone a name change. It is now Campbell Williams Field at Darrell K. Royal Texas Memorial Stadium. C-Dub Field. That's what is known on the east side. (laughs) Earl 
Earl Campbell and Ricky Williams. That done at the suggestion of the Jamail family. So Joe Jamail Field is no more. It is now going to honor the schools to Heisman winners. And Rod, I want to get your take on this. The eyes of Texas is staying. And yeah. but Chris Del Conte, nobody's surprised about that. Chris Del Conte and Jay Hartzell have both said they will uh, own and acknowledge and educate uh, everybody on its origins, mm-hmm. uh, what it means, why some yeah. people feel about it the way they do. Two things, Rod. One, just your general feelings on it, because as I've said before, I don't have a dog in the fight. I didn't go to Texas, so it's not my. Uh, I don't feel it's my place to make take a position one way or the other on it, but you, on the other hand, are a graduate of the University of Texas. You played at the University of Texas. So, one, your thoughts on the decision, and two, uh, now that we know it's staying and we've seen Caden Stearns, Jawan Mitchell, Deshaun Jameson, Josh Thompson, those are among the guys on the team right now that have already come out and said they will not sing the eyes of Texas. The scenario we talked about a couple of weeks ago where, okay, if guys aren't going to participate – Everybody better be on the same page about how you're going to handle that. Otherwise, the story is not going to become, hey, this team is unified. It's going to become, why are these two or three guys breaking ranks, so to say, and, and kind of doing their own thing? Yeah. Um, I mean, that's. I, I think that the University of Texas did a really good job of offering up you know, middle ground. I said it before from the jump, this was a negotiation and I think the play, the student athletes looked at it that way. So props to the student athletes for bringing up these issues because student athletes before them, uh, although they may have brought up these issues, uh, they didn't do it with the, the manner of force that these young people did. So congrats to them because they started a conversation that needed to be had on the forty acres. And I'll give props to Jay Hartzell. You know, Jay Hartzell could have hid from this thing, and he said, "Now nah, we're going to teach the eyes of Texas. We'll teach the origin of it." And we, but we believe that now it essentially we're going to co-opt it. It means something different to us. And the truth is, you know, everybody's going to feel different about the song. It's about your individual experience with the University of Texas that will promote or provoke your expression during the eyes of Texas, whether you want to observe it or not. And I talked to probably 50 or so student athletes, most of them football players, uh, a lot of the guys that I played with. And I'll say 30% of them say they never stand for the eyes of Texas again. Never, ever stand for the eyes of Texas. They think it's disrespectful. Anything with the history and the origins of bigotry, they believe it should be shunned and disavowed. And you know what? I I understand that, and I feel that. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's also some people that I talked to, a lot of lifetime Longhorns, prominent ones, and prominent ones on both sides of this argument, who said that they believe it means something different to them. To them, it was about the love they had in their heart at the time about UT, the eyes of Texas, meant to them that it was the eyes of the former letterman, eyes of the former fans, the history of Texas looking upon them and proudly and lovingly looking upon them. So if for everybody, it means something different. And, and that to, I, you know, to me, I'll still stand for the eyes of Texas. But if you think that it's dehumanizing, disparaging, and disrespectful, I, I can argue that. How can I argue that when the history of the song has a blackface history, minstrels, I mean, it's a minstrel shows, and that Robert E. Lee was the inspiration to the uh, the eyes of Texas are upon you because it was the eyes of the South are upon you. How can I get mad at somebody for that? So my only take was, and I, I expressed this take, hell, probably a month ago, actually, probably when this thing first came out, mm-hmm. I expressed the same take, and, I, and I've been on this bandwagon from the jump. Everybody is entitled to their own expression and their own opinion. This is, this is a free country and your First Amendment rights to express yourself the way you want. What I, would, what I would implore the Texas football team to do, and other uh, uh, teams as well, is to try to show some unity and uniformity and unanimity in however you express yourself during the eyes of Texas and observe it. 
Because the truth is, in 15 years, guys, this could become, this could become an all-white ritual. I'm not making that up. This could become an all-white person ritual. If you have no student-athletes that end up wanting to stand for the eyes of Texas after you teach the racist origins of it, mm-hmm. hell, 70% of the athletes on that campus are African-American or people of black and brown descent. Okay? So what if they don't want to stand for it? Then let's say people, members of the band don't want to stand for it. There are a lot of people on social media who say they're going to take their cues from the student-athletes. So if student-athletes don't stand, there's going to be some fans in the stands who won't stand. There's going to be the appearance of student-athletes who will not stand and observe the eyes of Texas, and there will be fans and faculty that will do the same. You could get to a point where it's only a white people-only thing. You don't want that. No. This is why my suggestion initially was name the whole damn South End Zone after Julie Witt, not a statue somewhere around the stadium, so that they, so that the student-athletes who do feel disenfranchised by the, the eyes of Texas, that they will have something to direct their observance towards. So, you know what I mean? So they go, you know what, no, no, we, ain't, we don't give a damn about the eyes of Texas. Yeah. This is Julius, Julius Whittier that we're, we're paying homage to, and that's why we sing the eyes of Texas for inclusion, so you can include everybody. But they didn't do that, and that's fine, that's fine, that's fine. But my thing is this, since you didn't take my suggestion, you can be damn well sure they be members of that band They don't play the eyes of Texas. I guarantee you, I'm mm-hmm. already talked to a couple. they will be members of that band, they're going to decide, I'm not playing that song. And what are you going to do, kick them out of the band because they don't want to play a song with racist origins? Good luck with that. That's going to look real good if the New York Times writes it up. Oh, it's you get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and then the same thing with the with the faculty and the student athletes. They're gonna be they're gonna be long ones who are gonna call out their fellow fans, faculty, and student athletes for not standing during the eyes of Texas. I know people who really they walk over to me. Oh man, Rod Babers, I love you, and they want to sing the eyes of Texas with me. And I take I take a a, a lot of I'm sorry, I take a lot of pride in that. I'm glad they want to sing it with me, a former student athlete, because I want to sing it with them, the fans as well. But if you don't think that this is going to become an issue, then you're delusional. This is why I was trying to project some type of foreshadowing and forethought about this issue because I knew, honestly, it was going to come down to the eyes of Texas symbolically. Yes, the University of Texas is improving their outreach in, in, in communities of people of black and brown descent, and that's great they should do that. Uh, the Robert Lee Moore building is going to be renamed. They're going to honor Julius Whitty. They're going to honor Heman Sweat, who was the first African-American uh, in the law school, and there's a Supreme Court case that also there will be an exhibit about how to teach and all those things are great. But if you want to solve the issue of the eyes of Texas, which we all agree was the most controversial issue that was requested and requested to be addressed by the administration, you have to make these young people feel empowered. There's a reason when Colin Kaepernick kneeled, by the way, which was a suggestion by Lifetime Longhorn and Green Beret Nate Boyer, yep. who, 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 by the way, this is, this is a perfect instruction on how to deal with this issue. Parallel to this right? situation. Because it's exactly right. Because the national anthem, it, it means something different to people uh, people of color. It does. Because go, go read the third verse of the, your national anthem, and you will see why there's a black national anthem. Because black people say, well, if, if you talk about murdering black people in the national anthem, then that's not... Really, my national anthem. Mm-hmm. All right. So Colin Kaepernick and a lot of other people of color didn't want to stand for that. So they want to. So Colin Kaepernick's protest was to sit during the national anthem. Nate Boy, you said, hey, more respectful uh, approach would be to kneel. We kneel in honor. We kneel out of respect. And then, therefore, now part of the movement symbolically is people kneeling, not only because of the way that George Floyd was killed and murdered, but also because of Colin Kaepernick. Mm-hmm. And those things have become, I think, a part, like a symbolic part of the movement, a visual. So if you're the Texas fans, I would say you should protest the eye. If you're a Texas player, and I don't know, maybe you're a fan, you want to do this too, but if you're a Texas player and you're a member of that band and you're on the field during that moment, protest the eyes of Texas. If that's, if, if that's the way you want to show 
uh, your dis your disdain for the origins of the song. Protested just like Cap did. Kneel during the eyes of Texas with your brothers, and they should have their their horns up, singing the eyes of Texas. Those who want to, okay, because CDC has made sure that everybody has a choice, and then put your other arm on the shoulder of your brother to show the world that yes, we can agree to disagree about something like this. But just because I disagree with you doesn't make you any less my brother or my sister. We're still family. We're still human beings. We still connect on a deeper level, but we can agree to disagree, and then we can have a conversation about it. But we can also find middle ground and compromise about this. That's what Colin Kaepernick and Nate Boyer did. That's what I think Texas needs to do. So, Tom Herman, it's up to you. Sam Ellinger, it's up to you. Caden Stearns, Joseph Sy, the leaders on that team. Sam Cosby, it's up to you guys to decide, okay, I agree you shouldn't be, it should be mandatory for you to stand and obligated to stand for the eyes of Texas. But let's show solidarity. Let's show unity. Let's show uniformity in this thing. Yes, we agree. We agree to disagree on this thing, but we're still together. And I think if they don't do that and players start to, Jawan Mitchell says he's going to go to the locker room, this is y'all's song. I understand that. But if that happens, I guarantee you, not only will there be a split in that locker room, mm -hmm. there will be a division amongst the fans, mm -hmm. a division amongst the faculty, a division amongst former student athletes. They, It is up to them to set the example. If they set the example in that field, we'll all follow it. Yeah. If they don't, then we won't, just like they did for this conversation. They well, set the example, and then we all followed that example. And that whole example started with the purpose of educating, because like as your poll said, you know, 92% of fans or whatever, they didn't even know yeah. the roots. So that's the first step if you want to encounter or just talk about these things. Can't even have a conversation if the other side doesn't even know the facts that you are basing your feelings and your beliefs upon. And then when it gets yeah. to that point that you're actually educated, you bring up the Kaepernick part, really sort of it, it parallels in many ways mm -hmm. to this, in addition to just the way that you see the center shift. And at yep. the time, four years ago, Kaepernick was really ostracized to blackballed. I mean, it's got to the point to where he's at now. But we've seen the tide shift because over the last three years, many things have unfolded. And that mm -hmm. sort of gave me the idea or whenever you were talking about, well, whenever this first happens or that first game whenever mm -hmm. the conversation begins well you may have a group of people and fans that only knew the eyes of texas it's like uh, the idea of before christ and after death and a d and b c mm -hmm. and this is like before the eyes and after the eyes and now after the eyes just like this younger generation that we've seen has been one more open to having these conversations and then aren't afraid to go and rebel against what is a traditional thought. And it's not out of any type of rebellion. It's strictly out of righteousness. Yeah. And if you're in that situation and dealing with Texas every year as it goes on, we may see that shift become more, as you were saying, where it could maybe become so polarized that it becomes just the young people compared to the people that are the whites over here that are the mm -hmm. only ones singing the eyes because that's where things really went in race issues over time. But then we've seen that shift. We've seen Kaepernick shift and then now the public opinions on the other side and when you're talking about a whole student base and young kids they probably will be the ones that are going to be more open to being the newer thought the new thing mm -hmm. which is going to be against the old guard which could yep. be viewed as confrontational even though it's just understanding well if we're having this conversation and you truly are listening to what the other side's saying we need to be able to be a society that can 
and have the conversations disagree and have it not become something that's so vitriolic that becomes a problem. And that's just sort of where we are in this mind. We're just theorizing what's going to unfold those first games or the first season and then how it's viewed, say, five years later as Kaepernick is viewed much different now than he was four years ago. Mm-hmm. We just got to really zoom out and understand the gauge of this, just like all of these issues. And it's going to take a lot of time and there really never is a right answer. It's all about listening to your fellow people. Mm-hmm. Rod, I, I don't know if you saw this tweet. This came out uh, late June where it kind of when all this started. And if you don't want to go down this road, you don't have to. So mm-hmm. you know, I don't care. feel free uh, to handle this however you want. But th- the the nature of the tweet, and, and I'm not mad at the person who crafted it. It's a tweet by Clarence Hill, the four star Telegram, mm-hmm. who's a Texas alum. But uh, and, and this isn't me lashing out at Clarence or anything. The, the nature of the tweet just kind of pissed me off yeah. because of the conversation that we had on this podcast about it. Uh, it's from June 27th. He said the University of Texas needs to stop asking former black football players to intercede with current student athletes regarding their views on the eyes of Texas. They didn't know the history when they were playing. They can't fix it on opposite side of the players seeking change. Just can you state for the record, Rod, nobody at Texas asked you to no. come up with your views or asked you to impart wisdom on anybody? No, not at all, actually. I think most of the Longhorns were, at least the student athletes, former Longhorns, who played at the University of Texas, they, I think, wanted to interject to the conversation. Now, remember, we had the we had a huge conference call, Zoom call, whatever, and, I mean, there were so many former student-athletes on it. It was crazy. I, I mean, I don't know how many people can be on the Zoom call, but it had to be at least 60, 70 people on the call. It was crazy. Yeah. And we were just talking about the request of the current student-athletes, and one of the big things, and I'll give Quan Cosby props because – I believe he was the ones that he was pretty much the most vocal uh, person about this issue. When we had our conference call among student athletes, we did not want to hijack the conversation from these young men and women who were brave and courageous enough to step out there and risk and yeah. take the risk when they and are risk getting their, anything. you know, their dreams and right. all that. We didn't want to do that. We didn't want to take that. We wanted to support them. I wanted, we wanted to be there. Like, hey, if you guys need something, you're off to college. Need to talk to some do. old, old heads who were there and and made a lot of mistakes and could have brought some wisdom. Now that I'm close to 40 years old, if you need us, we're there. Sounds and like we, parents for college Yeah, yeah, kids. and we support you. Our point right. was that we support you guys. Now, if you're like, well, does that mean you want the Aztecs going too? No, no. They are valid in their complaints about the eyes mm-hmm. of Texas. And most of y'all, 90-plus percent of y'all, didn't know about the racist origins of it. So give these young people credit. Um, so I, 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 I disagree. I love Clarence Hill, by the way. I love Chill. Uh, I disagree with him on that. This is... I think a moment for the former student athletes like myself, and I, I don't call myself a coward, but I didn't step up uh, in that in that time when I was a student athlete at Texas. I did not have really the, te- the the intestinal fortitude of these young people. And I talked to a friend of mine who said, honestly, it may be a simple. As a matter of fact, I heard Chip Brown talk about it too. Uh, Chip Brown does good work for Horns Two Four Seven. You have to think about this: these young black. People, uh, people of color, period, black and brown, whatever, minorities, they grew up with an African-American president, something that we all thought when we were growing up no. was the most laughable thing. Like, yeah, you better you better make that a Dave Chappelle skit because that ain't never happened in real life. Yeah, Tupac or, It may was, happen in 2055 or yeah. 2100 or something, but it ain't going to happen anytime where I'm alive to see it. And it did. And these young people grew up with that as an example. Like, no, no, people of color can reach the greatest office in the history of the yep. world. You mean So they think differently about...
about their circumstance than yeah. I did as a black man growing up at Texas. And that's the whole point, right? That the next generation becomes bolder than we were because they see the world differently than we did. So mm-hmm. they're willing to take more chances. They're willing to, to, to push the envelope. And even Dave Chappelle said, if you watch that Dave Chappelle on Netflix, the special, yep. I'm sure both of you guys watched it. Might, it. It, might be the, his, might be his finest hour. It's fantastic. It might be the best thing he's ever it, done. It, it's amazing. Yeah. He talks about, he said, no, no, no we're in the back seat. Guy, you know, he's talking about my generation. We're mm-hmm. in the back seat now. We're just uh, we're just watching y'all drive. Yeah, you know what I mean. You got a navigator and the passenger side. Somebody's driving, but that's the young generation. That's them. That's those student athletes on campus right now. That's them. And I and I I really do. I admire them. I I have so much admiration for them for all those young people, uh, the student athletes at Texas, because it was a bold move. It was a bold move and. Like I said, they didn't get everything they wanted. They got 80% of what they wanted, but it was a negotiation. And by the way, this is just a start. And like I said, in 15, 20 years, don't be shocked the eyes of Texas is gone. If we cannot, as a, as a community, a local community, co-opt it mm-hmm. and change the definition of it, literally real time, the way, listen, the swastika did not always mean Nazism and fascism and bigotry. Right. At one point, it was about divinity and spirituality and auspiciousness. That's what they thought that it was. And then the Nazis took it and then and turned it into it a despicable, horrible thing. And now you better not display that damn symbol. Yeah. All right. And white people once called black people the N word to dehumanize them and degrade them and disparage them. And then now black people have co-opted that word, empowered it and said, white people, you can't use it no more. It's our word. And some white people are mad about that. What do you mean I can't use the N word mm-hmm. anymore? We used to use it forever. It's like, no, no, you can't use it because definitions change over time. We know that, right? The NAACP calls us a National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, and everybody laughs at them. They're a joke, really, right now. I'm not saying they're a joke from what they do, but you can't call black people colored people. Yeah. Nobody does. You can't do that. But yet, that's the that's the Association for the Advancement of Colored People. Why not just say people of color? Switch it up. NAACP. <laughs> well, that's too hard to do? Just like the Washington racial slurs? Too hard to do? See, that's where we're at right now. So, so to me, I applaud these young people. And, no, in my opinion, Shield is wrong about that. We should all inject ourselves into this conversation so we can have it. And if you're uncomfortable having the conversation, that's a good, that's a first step. That's like what Manny Acho, that's what Sam and Manny Acho's doing right now, right? Mm-hmm. The uncomfortable conversation with a black man. Now he's got a book deal with Oprah, for God's sakes. Because he's doing, because he's starting that uncomfortable conversation. You must interject yourself in. If you don't and you just observe from the sidelines, then you actually may be a part of the problem. Get in that conversation. Put your ideas out there. And then you know what? Be open to being wrong. Be open to being ignorant. Like, oh, I'm ignorant. I didn't know that. Okay, you know what? I might change my mind about it. There are so many people that changed their mind about Colin Kaepernick in that three, four years, right? Mm-hmm. Roger Goodell was against Colin Kaepernick and what he did. So were a lot of the owners. Now you have Bill O'Brien in the Texas, like, I'm going to kneel during the national anthem. I'm going to kneel in protest. You have Roger Goodell saying, I was wrong. I was wrong about that. I've seen the error of my ways. This is what we almost admit at times, like that we have been ignorant and that we could be wrong about exactly. something. Exactly. Yeah. And nobody wants to do that. Nobody, nobody on Twitter or social media wants to admit, damn, you know what? Two years ago, I put out a tweet, and I was dead wrong about it. In sports in sports radio, we do it every day. Yeah. You're like, yeah, three weeks ago, I was wrong about Dak. Now, let me change my opinion. We do it all the time, and yet people don't want to do that. And I, to me, that's a, to me, I think that's a, a liability in your, your character. Like, you can't change your mind when you got new information. People are mad at Dr. Fauci right now. He's <laughs> a doctor. A doctor. Doctors change. You know what? That 50% of what doctors learn in medical school is obsolete when they leave medical school. It's like technology. 
It is, it's obsolete. Like 50% of what they learned, they can't even use it anymore because technology advances and exponentially it increases. And once it advances, then you have a new opinion because there is new information. Yep. We have a brand new virus out here. New information every day. Everybody thinks the leading infectious disease expert in the country is a freaking imbecile and an idiot. <laughs> That's America <laughs> That's right now. now. Yeah. Because nobody will, because he's changed his mind three or four times. Right. Like, well, I have to change my mind when I get new information. If I don't change my mind with new information, what does that make me? Stubborn. Stubborn, <laughs> ignorant, yeah. yep. and imbecile. Then I'm stupid. You get new information, people. Change your mind. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Nothing wrong to say, you know what? I was wrong about that. I got new information. You know, Texas. I ain't know the origins of the, the eyes of Texas. Now that I know it, I may change my mind yep, about and it. And you know what? In four or five years, I may change my mind about the eyes of Texas. I stand for it today. Who knows? I may have a conversation with some lifetime loan ones that changed my mind in three or four years. It can happen, and it's okay. Yeah, and that's the main part is getting yeah. past the part where you basically, yeah. like when you're having these initial conversations, people become stubborn because it's that initial wave of emotion. Like I remember having to talk so many friends or family through like whenever the Kaepernick thing was first unfolding and just explaining the basic concepts of, well, you believe in the freedom for the right to protest. Well, you know, he isn't just sacrif- doing something against the flag. He's just going and wants this to be talked about right now. So he is going to try to get your attention mm-hmm. in this situation and once you talk it out and they're like oh yeah and i remember and it works. immediately <laughs> yeah but but it's because they had to have a conversation because if you don't have a conversation all you have is your emotional re- reaction exactly and then you're drowning you're, you're almost you're drunk and you're above you're drunk yeah. on yeah. your own emotions exactly and you it that wave and it's hard to get past that initial wave of emotions whenever you hear something before reason comes into it or logic and then you sort of talk it out and that's something that like you said Rod, being on radio really does make you have to talk it out in live moments, and you can learn a lot of things really quickly in those situations because you're unafraid to encounter these uncomfortable situations. Yet, though, in private life, not many people are doing that from time to time. And that's just where nowadays you have everything plays out public. So these young Mm -hmm. kids, what they do, their life, they just are like, no, these are just my thoughts. I'm just putting them on to social media. And it's just they grew up with. I'm just having a conversation and it's just natural to them. That's their everyday life. But the old people (laughs) are like, we didn't want to sign up to have you tell us all your thoughts. It's like you're the one following them and listening to them. If you want the voice, want to have the conversation, the mediums are there to be had. But if you want aren't listening or aren't articulating your feelings it's going to be really hard to ever deal with anything or have any advancement from that's another thing too and bk has a great quote he says social media is an experiment that none of us signed up for but we're all in it Mm -hmm. and he's right about that and to your point i think america's having a hard time with this too generation articulating their opinion because these are very, very touchy topics where lots of nuance, right? I might lean one way, but I do want to present mm-hmm. a more balanced argument. And people are just having a tough time articulating Because it comes opinions. off cut and dry on social yeah, media. Yeah, everything is binary, yeah. right? It's like, no, no, I'm not binary. And you're reading it through your own portal of somebody else. So the way yeah. one person writes a sentence on voice inflection, you can have it mean 10 different ten things. things. And that's a big difference. Yeah. There's the other person's view when they totally consume different. the same words can be very different. Totally. Like I said, Ron, I, I, you know— I didn't have a. I don't have a problem with Clarence personally, or this. That wasn't a shot at him, but it was right. I saw that tweet initially right after we'd had this conversation, and to me, it was like, well, to me, that's insulting. I took it as like that's insulting Rod's character, and Rod's my friend. I know Rod. That's that's not Rod's heart to just be a shill for somebody. You were saying actually what you felt, and no I know I know Quan did the same thing, yep. and 
Lord knows Brian Jones is going to do the same yeah. thing. And I heard Brian's take. He came takes. from the heart from those guys. Yeah. I, I Trust me, Quan didn't have any – he didn't want attention. He didn't want the media. He, he literally just wanted to try to help solve the problem. Yeah. And he didn't want to hijack it and hijack the argument because these young people, they deserve that platform and they have earned it. So I understand what Shield's coming from. But I'll say this, and then we can end discussion and move on to talking more Texas football. This is when when somebody's having a, a discourse like this, a national discourse, and then there is a group saying, you can't enter this discourse because you don't know nothing about black problems or you don't know nothing about these types of issues. It's the same thing as stick to sports to me, mm-hmm. right? Like, stick to sports, stick to sports. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Mm-hmm. And now we're in a time where there are no sports. Yeah. <laughs> for, for four or five months. What do you want me to stick yeah, to? Yeah, all we've been talking about is social issues. You know, nobody ever now asks, you should stick to sports, man. Come on, get back to sports. So I think to them, when you when you exclude people from the conversation because, you know, you, you're having a conversation about racial issues and they're, they're, they're white instead of being a person of color. Or we're talking about LGBTQ community and, you know, this person is a heterosexual so they can't come in on that. It's like, no, 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 let's all have a conversation and convert those people who are ignorant. Convert... Listen, enlighten my ignorance on it. That's what the conversation is about. Mm-hmm. Let me know how ignorant I am. Enlighten me. And then don't insult me while you do it. Don't do it with malice and hate in your heart. Do it as a fellow man who wants me to be better, who, who wants to convert me to your side. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't look to abolish my enemies. I look to convert them. And I think yeah. everybody wants to assassinate and annihilate people who disagree with them. And I don't want to do that because I grew no. up in the sports radio world where I'm trying to come. You know, you, you're not that guy. Yeah. I, listen to these stats. I'll break out for you on deck and see if you're still not a that guy when mm. I break this down for you. And if you have any kind of rationale, you'll go, damn, Pretty I good. guess Dak is a lot better than I thought. I didn't see the sports radio world helps you do that because we argue every damn day mm-hmm. about things with we evidence, only disagree though, with, with, with evidence. I'm backing up with rationale <laughs> evidence. And I and I so I just I, people, people want to annihilate. And just de- just destroy people who disagree with them. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. let's have a conversation about it. And just, if they're a bigot and they're just an a hole and a bigot about it, then disavow them and move the hell on. Yeah. Okay. But if they are actually ignorant and they they like Deshaun Jackson, right? Now he's going to the he's going to the Holocaust Museum with a former uh, someone who actually survived the Holocaust. He's talked. He's reached you know, Julian Edelman. He's reached out to and had a conversation with. And I'm not I'm not taking up for what. Uh, Deshaun Jackson said it was disgusting it was racist it was horrible deplorable but like I said before just because all racists are ignorant all racists are ignorant but just because you do and say something ignorant doesn't make you a racist sometimes you're just an ignorant mofo and you didn't know and then we must educate and enlighten those people and then convert them so because they're on our side people who are ignorant out there they're not bad people they're just ignorant and we've seen a lot of that on social media. Now, some people are just bigots, and they're going to be bigots and a-hole, racist, a-holes, whatever. But, you know, I think we got to have more tolerance, and we got to have more patience and more understanding. And that's what this conversation on the 40 Acres is all about. So when you see somebody who decides, I'm not, I'm not observing the eyes of Texas. Mm-hmm. And it may be a student athlete, maybe a really famous one who's a business owner in the community, and everybody knows him. And you want to take that picture, and you want to call them out, and you want to judge them for it. Instead of going on to judge them for not standing for the eyes of Texas, why don't you go over and ask them? Why? Why don't you want to stand for us in Texas? And then try to help change the system so that they have more pride and more ownership in the University of Texas so that they do feel like, hell yeah, I'm standing for the eyes of Texas. This is my song. Mm-hmm. This is my song as much as it is your song. The reason people don't stand for the national anthem because they don't believe this country is theirs. They don't believe they have ownership in this country. The national anthem third verse says they want to, you know, talk about killing black people and slaves. So maybe they don't belong to me. So, you may, that's why the, that's why the NBA players stand for the national anthem. Nobody talks about the NBA. The NBA, 
Adam Silver, they no, even though LeBron and KD and Pop and Steve Kerr, they're the most vocal mm-hmm. sports personalities in the country. Always talking about F Trump, don't like this, whatever, whatever, right? And I'm not getting into free Hong Kong. I'm not, we don't have that much time. My point is this, though. Every player in the NBA stands for the national anthem. Not one of them, even though they all, most of them, agree with Colin Kaepernick in his stance. Not one of them decided, I'm so oppressed. I, I, you know what? I got I to gotta protest the national anthem. Why? Because they don't feel oppressed. NFL players do. Why? They don't have guaranteed contracts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? they, they, they lose every CBA negotiation. The relationship they, with the owners. The, the owners hate them. The owners actually yes. dehumanize, disenfranchise them. That's of course they thing. do. The NBA don't even call their owners owners. They call them governors. Because yeah. like, we don't want to insult you players, so we'll call them governors. Because yes. we don't own anybody. We're partners. You, We're partners together. The NBA this league is your league. Adam. Right? This league is your league. This league is my league. Might as well make a damn song about it. Island. This land is your land. Island. <laughs> this land is your island. You know what I mean? So that's what the NBA is all about, but the NFL ain't got that. So if you really wanted to force, not force, if you really wanted to compel those student athletes to always stand for the of Texas, empower them. Make them feel like that song is their song, that that tradition is their tradition too, that university, it also belongs to them. Everybody's experience is different, and that's kind of what I'm getting to. Sorry I'm ranting. No, you're fine. And in closing, I'll say this. Like I said, I, I – I haven't felt like I've had a dog in the fight, and I'll be honest, Rod, and I don't mean to say this disparaging to anybody that went to Texas or or has a lot of pride in Texas. If the eyes of Texas went away tomorrow, I, I wouldn't lose any sleep. Me neither, actually. I'm not gonna lie, um, me neither. I love it, but or if yeah. or if you decide or if the decision is made to keep it, I'm not gonna get an uproar. My I've just been fascinated to sit back and hear, like I said, your opinion and Brian Jones' opinion and Quan Cosby's opinion and the players' opinion and alums' opinion, even people that. Uh, that want to stand for it. Uh, to me, like saying, "Well, I'm just not going to go to games." No, I, I want to know why you you like to stand for it. And if it's just hey, like you said, I, I think if you take what it means to you and you can spin that forward in a positive way, then then more power to you. But like you said, as it relates to the team, my only concern is whatever you do mm-hmm. to guys that don't want to stand for it, or don't want to participate. Whatever you do, you better make sure everybody's on the same page because if they're not then that has a chance to undo all the good and positive things you've done so far because then the narrative doesn't become, oh, you guys aren't, they're choosing not to stand for the alma mater. Now it becomes uh, Tom Herman's losing control of his team. These these guys are, uh, you know, they're they're, they're descending from the ranks. Yeah, yeah. they're doing it. So then and then, like I said, everything you've done at that point then gets lost in translation because – the narrative becomes something you never intended it to yeah. be. Yeah. What if the black coaches don't want to stand for it? Hell, Joe Wickline didn't. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? What if black coaches like, nah, I'm standing. I'm not. I'm not standing for it. I mean, I already, then what does Sam Ellinger do? Well, if your your wide receiver, your number one wide out, wants to go into the locker room and then you're mm-hmm. outside, like you don't want to put everybody in that type of situation. So just make it something uniform. And you, that's what I'm saying. Stay out there and protest the eyes of Texas. Don't go in the locker room because that's not going to be a. To me, that's not an effective protest. Stay there and kneel, and then everybody around the country will go. Why is half the team kneeling and half the team standing? Because oh, well, this is why. Boom, we have the conversation. Yeah. And there you go. And that and, and that's where I think, like, and this is just my opinion, but looking at, like, the locker room environment, seems as if this team has been pretty unified in dealing with been. a lot of these things. So I'm not necessarily worried as much about that, but 
the overarching not only fandom of Texas, but then the media coverage of it. The, the perception can mm-hmm. totally be exactly. something that's different, yep. even if what we're talking about don't, didn't even exist in the locker room. And now it could be an issue in the locker room, too. But there's so many levels to it that it is. not only – I mean, they could have it all together and it can become an S-storm because of the outside factors. And that's why we're sort of talking about – and if fans, if you're listening, you know, understand that they're – both sides and it doesn't exactly. have to become something that you got our own fans rooting against the other fans and it's bizarre and weird and then Strange. that becomes covered yep. and then they pick allegiances and it's not major and sims it's the eyes or no eyes or whatever Pretty much. Yeah. yeah yeah like i said in 15 years may not exist because there's only white people singing it we don't want that yeah. i don't want that right. i don't want that. that that would make the infrastructures look bad that would make the mama mama look bad right yeah. Uh okay, so you guys ready to talk some football in the time we got left? God please, do it. <laughs> God please. So stick to sports. As, of, <laughs> as we sit it. here right Back now, to sports. Back to sports. We we believe, <laughs> and Craig Way and I talked about this as we're recording this. We Craig Way and I had light the tower, which by the way you can hear each and every weekday on the horn. Uh, you guys are killing. You guys are getting in the groove. Thank you. Yeah, Rod, you guys are getting that. in the groove. You can you can see it. We yeah. are anticipating that Big Twelve Media Days will be postponed. As of the time we're recording this. No announcement has been made official by the league, but we're anticipating that Big 12 Media Days will be postponed. That said, we're a couple of days away from the conference releasing the preseason media poll. Take that for whatever it's worth when you've got schlubs like me voting for it. Mm-hmm. And the preseason all-conference team, and Rod, the conference still has not heard one of my chief complaints. Can you stop asking us to vote for a fullback on the preseason <laughs> Big 12 team? Oh, is that still on there? Yes. Oh, it's wow. the same thing with the all-NBA teams are forced centers. Oh. So, like, you know, like you get your random Rudy Jobert thrown in so Anthony Davis doesn't count. But, yeah, these uniforms. But didn't they these, change it for the All-Star game? Well, uh, possibly. They just I voted. They and they it for voted. the All-Star game. Well, yeah, like, All-Stars with not, voting. You don't have to have voting. a center yeah, and yeah. that kind of thing. But not, but not all-NBA NBA contracts and stuff where you get, like, those smack. You can get a super max deal. Yeah, right. Or get get one taken away strictly because of that same thing. Didn't Paul? George lose out, miss out on one because of that. Yeah, a handful yeah. of guys. Bradley Beal. Uh, Bradley Beal was the one I was thinking to. Yes, Man, thank you, man. Uh, but no, that's so stupid. yeah, still mm-hmm. have to, we still have to vote for a fullback. And look, I just voted three running backs. I voted Kennedy Brooks, Chuba Hubbard, and Puka Williams. I put Puka Williams in the fullback spot and treated it. I'm like, look, Big Twelve. I'm treating this as an all-purpose spot. Like, yeah, it yep. should be a flex or whatever the yeah. hell it is, right? Yeah, do it. Crazy. Zach Lowe's putting Anthony Davis at first team center. Like NBA writers are that's doing crazy. this all across it's the board just, too. Oh, it just aggravates me. That is a so. Uh, we've, we got into this a little bit last week. And, Rod, I picked Texas number two on my Big 12 preseason ballot behind Oklahoma. Okay. And I don't feel super confident about that <laughs> I was going to say. Because to me, when I think about this team, and I don't know if this is just like cynical sports writers been covering this program for a, a decade now. When I look at this team, Rod, I think this could really be an 8-4 and four football team. Oh yeah, easily. easily. Yeah, I was like, yeah, easily. Um, and and and, I'm, and and I know that's not a stretch, but I'm more inclined to think they're more eight and four than they are ten and oh, two. Oh, you sound the ceiling maybe closer to eight and four. I'm thinking they're more of an eight. I mean, it's hard for me to see it this team winning more than nine games. If you play a full regular season, it's hard for me to see this team winning more than nine games. And losses, obviously, being to LSU and both well, Oklahoma schools. Because is that what I, you're saying? LSU, well, Oklahoma, and then one other. And Oklahoma State. Well, like you just talked about. I mean, that's most likely. When you get new information, it makes you think about things. 
Seven Sports do a phenomenal job. Barton Simmons, Bud Elliott, Brandon Marcello, Chris Hummer, those guys do a great job. And nobody's really that high on Texas. And I've noticed that too. And that could actually be good. Bud made a really interesting argument because Bud and Barton on their podcast got an interesting hypothetical thrown their way, which is if you put a different team in a different conference, do they win the conference? And the one Ooh, hypo- that is a good hypothetical. One hypothetical they looked at that they got it was a mailbag question. Mm-hmm. If you take Texas and take Clemson out of the ACC and replace them with Texas, does Texas win the ACC? And they both kind of agreed they're the favorite, but, but no neither one of them could pick Texas to win it. And yeah. Bud said, "You just can't trust Texas." So I went down a rabbit hole, Rod, and this is where I think you can't trust Texas because <laughs> oh, that's good stuff. this is why I think you can't trust Texas. Because this team does have a tendency to play to their competition. And that is not just some generality. That's what the numbers suggest in the Tom Herman era. And I'll give you some numbers against the spread. You mm-hmm. ready for this? Okay. When Texas is favored by six or more points, and I, I got this from a number, I had to go through a number of different historic points. So this isn't coming from one source. This is mm-hmm. just me putting it all together. Under Tom Herman, when Texas has been favored by six plus points in a game, okay. they're eleven and one outright. The one uh, this isn't just in Big Twelve play, yeah, just in Big Twelve play. They're eleven and one outright. The one loss was to Texas Tech the first year. So when they're favorites, favorites, they're big time big favorites, favorites by basically close to a touchdown. Favorites yeah, by six plus points in Big Twelve games. Eleven and one outright. Four seven and one against the spread. A little bit below expectation. Okay, likewise. There, so there's 12 yep. games where Texas has been a, a six-point or more favorite. Likewise, there have been six games, six Big 12 games in the Tom Herman era where Texas has been a six-point or more underdog. Oh, no. This is not good. Texas is one and five outright in those games. The one win was the Oklahoma game in 2018. But they're five and one against the spread. Yeah. That's Herman. That is Herman. It'll be competitive. Mm-hmm. So then I, I looked at win. games. Then I looked at games within the margins, right? Fewer than six and a half points favored, more than six, fewer than six and a half points as an underdog. So I looked at games within the margin. There have been nine of those Big 12 games in the Tom Herman era. And in those games where it's kind of a toss-up type deal, or maybe you're on the road so the home team gets the field goal advantage or whatever, nine of those games that I'm calling within the margins, Texas 5-4 and four outright, 5-3-1 and one against the spread. Whew. So Rod, Damn, history is history. I wish you wouldn't have shared those numbers. History is starting. <laughs> history is starting to tell you. I wish you wouldn't have shared those numbers. I know because hist- because I started thinking about. It, I'm like, well, maybe Bud and Barton are being a little harsh on Texas. No, they're not because history is telling you week to week you can't trust this team. But here's the Kim Kardashian, Nicki Minaj, Serena Williams size, Cardi B size. But isn't this supposed to be the year? It that is. it all comes together. His recruiting classes, Sam Senior. Mm-hmm. Like, this is supposed to be the year it all comes together. But he did hire a new coaching staff. So I mean, that's the other thing. And you yeah. got no spring ball. You're no getting a crash ball. course this summer. Yeah. And I mean, the, I don't want to put it all on one game, Rod. And it's no, not okay. a Big Twelve game that I'm talking about. But man, given and given everything we talked about at the beginning of this podcast and everything this program has experienced this off season. If you go to if if that game in Baton Rouge gets played, and if you go down there on September twelfth and you lose that game by a couple touchdowns, that has the potential to completely unravel your season. I agree with this because I think there are a lot of people thinking that Texas should beat LSU. Considering all the losses they've had. They lost O C D C. I mean, they lost 
what they lost? I think they lost like 13 starters or something crazy like that on both sides of the ball. Mm. Just a ridiculous. I mean, yeah. they probably lost as much as any national championship winning team I believe they in the last the, 25 years. I, I believe years. they set the record for most picks by one school in, a seven, in the era of the seven Yeah, so they lost a ton. And I think if Texas, who's got a senior quarterback who's an elite quarterback in Sam Ellinger, this year can't beat LSU. Now, we'll be on the road. I think a lot of Longhorn fans will believe. All those starters uh, are turning on defense. All those are turning on starters. You've got a projected first-round pick at left tackle, a premium position on the offensive line. Come on, that third-best quarterback you've had in Texas in the last 50 years, and yet you can't beat LSU. I, I, I think I'd be inclined to agree with your initial statement that Texas underachieving under Tom Herman, that's more the norm. Like that's you know what I mean like that's what he does he underachieves yeah and I, I wouldn't and even say and then he'll overachieve exactly yeah <laughs> it's the and that goes back, back to it's it's just the lack of consistency yeah. and, and you know those games within the margins I mean those can be yeah. games where maybe you're favored by five points and, mm-hmm. and you win by a field goal and it's like no man you you should have you should have beat that team by three touchdowns like that those are the steps like it's year four like you if if on paper. And 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 I don't say this lightly. Like this is Rod, what great teams do. No, you're right. If Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, if they're favored to beat somebody by eight points, you damn sure bet Nick Saban's trying to make that a three touchdown beat win. The hell out of them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you say, yeah. Or Dabo Swinney's thinking <laughs> we, we should win. We should, this game should be over by halftime. Yeah. If I don't have if I don't have my backups in by the start of the fourth quarter, something went really wrong. We did a bad job this week. That's. If Texas wants to make that step, and Rod, that's where you Mac had was in 05. when you know, when things got scary. rolling, and your time at Texas was when things really got rolling. When it's like, oh man, Texas in the, in the top five, in the, in the top three in the country, and yeah. competing for national championships. Yeah, you're favored by 17 points at Baylor. No, go beat them 41 nothing and give them no hope. Beat the hell out of them. Be out, be done. You're by favored halftime. by 21 at Kansas. Yeah, you won it by 45. Yeah, no, you're right. Every now and then, you sh- there'll be a challenge from a team like that because you guys weren't on your game, but. But yeah. you end up pulling it away and be like, yeah, yeah, you kind of played with your food for the first half, but you ended you up. should be more consistent. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I think that's the thing about Tom Herman. I've always said this. He's He's got to switch up his mindset, right, in the way that he prepares his team. Because I think he's a great coach when it comes to his teams being the David in the David and Goliath mm-hmm. scenario, right? When they're the underdog, I mean, he's unbelievable. And I think that is from his time at U of H and his time – you know, at Iowa State and things like that, being the underdog consistently. But now at Texas, and now people hated the analogy that CDC gave, but I actually related to it. There, Texas is always Goliath. There's always going to be everybody's going to be rooting against you. There's always going to be a target on your back. You got to still learn. Every now and then, a David's going to beat you. It's going to happen. We lost to Texas Tech in 2002. We're supposed to lose to Tech in 2002. Uh, I'm sure in 01 we lost to Colorado. Uh, it was a loser in Colorado in the yeah, Big 12 yeah, game. Yeah, they lost to Stanford. Yeah, exactly. So every now and then, we'll get a David that'll have the, you know, he'll 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 pull it out uh, and have the, um, oh man, what is the what is the apparatus he used? The slingshot. Slingshot. Thank mm-hmm. you very much. Mm-hmm. To get my biblical history. Girl, Dennis uh, Dennis. <laughs> all right, and we'll get beat, and that happens. But still, that didn't keep us from winning 10 to 11 games. All right, because right. that didn't happen a lot. I think with Tom Herman, it happens too often mm-hmm. where you underachieve. It happens everywhere. Go look at some Bama games. They're not in Bama or have a bad half yeah. against somebody. Like, damn, they played with Bama for a half? Like, yeah, but then it wasn't and really then, I mean, that's where Clemson seemed to be for a while, and they've been able to get above that echelon because yeah. Clemson sort of had that vibe, and it was even when, whenever you saw Matt got above that hurdle, and it was like the late 2000s was whenever Clemson mm-hmm. was always that team that had the talent but never got above that hurdle. Yep. And we've it seen was Georgia. that. Up 
that. Late. Georgia was there too. Exactly. And, 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 and same look, idea. And that's can, where you need Texas to go. We can shelve Ohio State, Clemson, et cetera, Alabama for right now. Look in your backyard, in your conference. Get to where Oklahoma's at. Yep. Unless Oklahoma plays like you remember a couple years ago they had that weird game with Army where like I remember, oh, that was, yeah, that just one I was one so of those happy. Weird I was like, oh games. my God. But that was a, you know, Army's hard to play. Right. They, they play an archaic offense that you see once every three years. It's just tough to play Army. Yeah. Army's no joke. Yeah. And then it's, they end up making the playoff that year. Didn't so, <laughs> it's true. But, but other than that, I mean, look, Oklahoma's going to match the gas on everybody else they play. They had the weird game over it. Last year, it was the road game at K-State. Just it was. You, you messed right. around, you got Owl too far State. behind, and you couldn't come back. Owl this State. is a lesson. Yeah. Stay away from the different academies, the BYUs or the Kansas States. Like, if you're a team with the modern concepts, like, that's yeah, what gave right. Lincoln Riley that's a old problem. Football. It yeah. is, yeah. and it's Every something time. that's just against the grain that, especially with what you're it, seeing you in see the it. Big 12 all the time, yeah. those are the ones that sort of can catch you up in a non-conference situation. But now, when you have the context of where the Big 12 is now compared to where it was a decade ago, it's like they said, you know, those Joneses, the Johnsons yeah. are catching up to them, and they're, it, it, the context of the conference does have to have a little bit more credit than it was given because back before mm-hmm. it was the two-headed race. Nowadays, You're at right least the that. two heads can sort of be chipped at a little bit. That's true. I uh, I applaud any AD that goes out and schedules. If you're a power five and goes out and schedules BYU, because that is a no win game. <laughs> it is. Uh, if you win that game, it's like okay, you were supposed to win. But if you lose, I mean, any, Rod, you we, you we saw it firsthand. Game, yeah. Like you're you're you forget you're lining up in some cases against like 22, 23 year old grown men or with families yeah. and full beards. Who've been, like, on, yeah, who've been on missions. And, yeah, been yeah. around the world. They've had life the experiences. They're literally like they're the military. The same way, right? The Service Army academies. Yeah, yeah. the no, same way. Those guys, all those like those guys have a lot of testicular fortitude. They know what's coming. <laughs> they know, at, they know yeah. what's coming yeah. at the end of their and time at West Point. You know they're prepared. You know they're well prepared. They weren't out partying all week. They weren't doing anything. They got wives and kids. Exactly. So Matt, Matt, everybody, every AD in the every Power Five AD in the country should take your. Advice. Your advice to heart. Don't yeah, schedule do BYU. Nope. Don't schedule service academies. Don't do it. Well, and then if we're talking about our non-conference looking at LSU, I pulled up the numbers on returning production. Overall as a team, 127th out of 130. If you look wow. at offense, 128th, only 30% of returning production. It's them, FIU, and one other school at the bottom on offense. And on defense, That's 92nd. Crazy. It's 54%. So, you know, Bill Conley always has this good little recipe for success. And if you're over 65% where Texas is right in that area at 66% returning on offense, Mm. 82% on defense, overall 74%. So Texas overall right inside that top 20-ish, they're ranked 21st in the nation. But they hit that two-thirds rule that he has that if you're returning two-thirds on both sides of the ball, that's one of the quick filters you can look at at a team that's ready to be, say, a top-10 type team. And I think 10 Oklahoma win State team. returns more. Yes. And they They're are, not they ninth that. overall. Exactly. And then you have Oklahoma who don't even need to return a damn thing yeah. to beat your butt in the conference like they always do. Until so that's why, going yeah. back to Jeff Howe's concerns, I agree with Jeff. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't feel confident Texas is going to be the second Iowa best State's team in the Big right Twelve. Next to Texas too, Iowa State's yeah, like right. the third most of, returning. Yeah, a lot of people love Iowa State because of Brock Purdy and Matt Campbell. I don't feel that confident that Texas is the definitely the second best team in the Big Twelve. Yep. Hell no, not this year. And and here's the other thing too. No way. When you look at potentially playing a conference only schedule, like let's say you're playing conference only schedules, mm-hmm. 
Rob, that's going to hurt Texas it, more it than any maybe anybody else in the league, other than Baylor. Like Baylor needs as many reps to the brand new coaching staff as you can possibly get. Okay, but it's going to hurt Texas because. Yeah, you got the LSU game, but that's not going to make or break you in terms of winning the conference or losing the conference. You got Oklahoma. What? You, you need third week. Yeah. You need you need that South Florida. Second week. You need that South Florida mm-hmm. game to work the kinks out. You need that UTEP game to yeah. work the kinks. Second out. Big Twelve game is Oklahoma. Yeah. Yeah, your first fine. two your yeah, first two Big Twelve games, I believe, are K K State and Oklahoma at K State. Oklahoma. Well, how about that, Texas? That's brutal. If you get your normal season, it's going to be game two, LSU. If you got your nor- new COVID season, game two, Texas OU. Game two yeah. is going to be big. Yeah, how about Rod Havana? Game Havard? two, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter. You're ready for game, game two. two. Wow. Yeah, how about – got to double-check the schedule <laughs> and, and make sure that's Ooh, right. Because yeah, it's K-State. No, you're right. Yeah. K-State's the first. Is, is it at K-State? Yeah. And then it's Oklahoma. Because I remember how early Oklahoma was because I was concerned about that even yeah. with the non I was like, man, that's early for Oklahoma. Because yeah. we talked about that last week when we talked about – I talked about kind of the history of it takes Texas D.C.'s in their first year, even though the end result is really good. It takes them some time to find an identity. Man, if you're Chris Ash – Three of your first five games are at LSU, at K State, and then the OU game. Well, Scott Linehan with LSU. So. <laughs> I feel that's the hopefully, Scott Linehan offense. Like, I think you can fit like Joe Matt, Brady. I'm concerned. Like Scott Matt, Linehan. forget forget everything. And I, I love <laughs> we love Bill Connolly here on the show. Like forget everything about production. That's the one thing that gives me comfort about the LSU game. Oh, Scott Linehan's running it. Okay, <laughs> right. Okay. If Chris Ash is out coached by Scott Linehan, <laughs> exactly, Ooh. exactly. I know Ooh. they're LSU athletes, but come on now. It's Scott, Scott Linehan. Linehan. <laughs> He's been a punchline for a Linehan. while. That's like getting out coached by Sean Watson. Like, come <laughs> on, is. come on now. Dude, I agree with you. Come on. So now. I, I have a little hope there, but you're right, man. Second game, no matter what the situation. Uh, as Matt said, they gotta be ready. Can you imagine a conference only season rod opening the season? Your season opener with the purple is, kryptonite is at K State. Purple kryptonite, which notoriously through the last twenty years has been tough for Texas to win up there. I think we've only won how many times up there in the last twenty years? Twice. Like, twice. Two thousand. Just recently. Two thousand two. Just recently. And, yeah. <laughs> two yeah. years ago. That used you feel to just be you. It used <laughs> to be very easy. Right. And then then you got Oklahoma after that. Oh. And then you got Spencer Rattler, who's nobody's seen. Nobody's yeah. seen anything has been a rattler. At least with Kyler Murray and Jalen Hurts, you can and Baker Mayfield. You can go back and look at film, you know, before they what they were doing under uh under other offensive coordinators before uh, Lincoln Riley and decide, okay, he has tendencies. He likes to he likes to do this. His footwork is bad here. You can see that he's not great at the intermediate throws, whatever it is. You have no idea what the hell Spencer Rattler is good or bad at. You have no idea. You're going into that game against the greatest quarterback guru potentially in the history of college football who has actually turned Oklahoma into the greatest quarterback factory in the history of college football with a guy he handpicked who was the number one quarterback in the country and you have no idea what the hell they're going to do on offense because that offense looks very different depending on the quarterback who plays Baker Mayfield Jalen Hurst and Kyler Murray and now you got another one you want to adjust basically on the fly. You are because that's gonna be a hell of a test for Chris Ash. Because <laughs> K State's not gonna give you a look like anything you're gonna see. Oh, you got fullbacks and triple tight end sets and yeah. <laughs> thirteen yep. personnel. I mean, yeah, a, yeah. I mean, Chris Kleiman is basically like a new age version of like Bill. What Bill Snyder's offense was, what I think he wanted Pretty it much. to be, probably. Yeah, you yeah. Know? and just sort of to show it's where scary, we're man. at in context to Oklahoma in that position, Sam Ellinger, senior. He's as proven as you can find in college football. He has the same Heisman odds as a guy you've never heard of for Oklahoma that's coming in, and it's totally understandable. Honestly, I'm not going to joke it. And I said this, and people think it's disrespectful to Sam. 
Spencer Rattler's odds to win the Heisman should be higher than Sam. Andrews. They were like most of most be. books. They are higher. They're Dude, twelve to one. The Sam's lowest 14. that a Lincoln Riley coached quarterback has finished in the Heisman race is fourth. All of them have been in the Heisman. He's been the head coach. Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts. <laughs> what do we think is going to stop now? No, he's but he not. got the he's got a five star number one quarterback in the country coming in that he's actually been able to groom and not have to throw into the mix. Some people are like, well, now he doesn't have a transfer quarterback. They're going to fall off. I'm like. Does that make sense to you? Does that make sense? that I think it's harder to develop transfer quarterbacks necessarily than it is to implement them and make them compatible with your offensive system than is a guy who you groomed, who you handpicked, who fits your personality and your scheme. Dude, it's a position. This guy could be better than no other few that he had before. Yeah. Come on, people. Yep, DraftKings well, right, has him as a way bigger favorite, just six to one compared to Sam at twenty to one. Some places have them both yeah. at fourteen. Amen. Then another one has Rattler at twelve and Sam at twenty. So but, Rattler has better odds, except for in one place you can find similar. Odds. As we close this week, and we could pick this up next week, talking about Sam Elliott and Rod. You mentioned you know kind of the going down to that game if that game at LSU gets played, you. We thought Texas had the quarterback advantage last year. Sam Elliott didn't play bad in that LSU game. He was awesome. Actually, he he just Joe Burrow was a little bit better, and that's kind of the history of Sam's quarterback battles. Like Sam Elliott's been good. <laughs> Kyler Murray was Kyler better. Kyler Murray or <laughs> Baker Mayfield or Sam Darnold or great look at the laundry list. Been from been the past a little bit better. Four years. That's true. That's a good point. Uh, but this is Sam last year, and it, it reflects the offense. We talked about the issues the offense had in the in the games where you oh. look at the top four defenses in the league. And again, I go back to it in terms of SP plus ranking oh, no. and yards per play allowed at the end of the season. Oklahoma, TCU, Iowa State, and Baylor were the four best defenses in the Big Twelve, and it wasn't even close. So let's look at the other five defenses, Oklahoma State, West Virginia, Kansas, Kansas State, Texas Tech. Sam Ellinger's numbers. You ready for this, Rod, in those five games, those five wins for Texas? All right, here we go. Give it to me. 68.3% completion rate, 1,502 yards is 300.4 per game. Again, good. 13 touchdown passes, four interceptions, really good ratio. Running the football, 329 yards, average 5.8 yards a pop. Nice. Three rushing touchdowns. Ready for his numbers in the four losses? Oh no! Yeah, give me some. I hate, I hate being. The, I'm this this guy that you just brings to be bad news on the show lately. No, it's just Makes facts. It's just facts. Why we don't like Doctor Fauci? We don't like facts. Don't be give me facts. <laughs> Tell me what I want right. to hear. Yes. <laughs> Sam. Sam Texas beat LSU. <laughs> Sam and the Sam and the four losses against the top four defenses in the league last year. Completion percentage goes to fifty six point four. Passing yards down to 1,004. That's 251 per game. You're averaging about 50 passing yards per game less. Mm. Five touchdown passes, five interceptions. That's not a good ratio. And thanks to those sacks in the Baylor and Oklahoma games, rushing yards for Sam dropped a 2.2 a carry, two touchdowns. He got saved 79 rushing yards against Baylor. Rod saved him from those numbers just being atrocious. It could have been close to like a negative. Rushing. I can't believe he had 79 rushing yards in that Baylor game. Actually, as much as he got the first time. Away. Honestly, I did not know that. Which you said, I, I'm still going to go check it after we leave here and be like, is he serious? I don't mm-hmm. remember those rushing yards. But I think he, he pulled a lot of RPOs in that game because the wide receivers weren't open. Right. I remember him pulling a lot of RPOs down, so maybe that's what it was. And was it, if I remember right, was it one of those game plans where Matt Rule and Phil Snow and that defense, they decided, look, we'll, get it. we'll let Ellinger run the ball. All day. Yep. We're just not going to let Devin Duvernay, Brennan Eagles. We're going to make them march down the field with Sam Ellinger getting five yards a pop. We see if they we, can do it. We feel without like. Without him getting sacked. It was yeah. really similar to. Over and over. It was yeah. real similar to the game plan we saw Vance Bedford and Charlie Strong have against Baylor in 2014. I agree with this. Right? Like, 
Bryce Petty and right about that. Godly, all these guys on the outside, Corey Coleman, like they're not going to beat us. Nope. If if I forgot who the running back for Baylor yeah, was at that you're point, beat us Terrence Williams and yeah. Bryce Petty. If you want to run it sixty times and, and beat us that way, then you go right and, ahead. And, and we know our brows try that's to not his us. nature. Air Browns hates that kind of football. No, because that's the whole point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that he was the that, that was the yeah. as it turned out that was the flaw to the veer and shoot. Like at some point. They're going to press. They're going to get yeah. anxious. And can you capitalize on that mistake? Force them into a 13, 14 play drive. If you can do that against the air, this, his type of air raid, the veer and shoot, then you're good. Yeah. yeah. So that's the number. So again, it's just Mike Yershitz getting the most out of this offense, getting the most out of Sam Ellinger. And I brought these numbers up on Light the Tower, and somebody texted in and said, Well, shouldn't your numbers dip against the better defenses in the league? And this is in Big 12 play. This is not considering the LSU game. This is just Big 12 play. Like, yeah, your numbers should drop. Mm -hmm. They shouldn't fall off a cliff. And and in 2018, they didn't. Hell, right, we forget if Sam plays the second half of the Iowa State game and plays the full game against Baylor – yeah. Who knows what his numbers look point. like at the end of the Great year? Point. Yeah, because it, that he was out those because games. you got other than the Maryland game, yeah. you got thirteen consistent Elite games play. of of Sam Ellinger at his best. Yeah, no, and you didn't get that last year. Yeah, and I mean, if you just to give all fair information game. out there, on top of that, in yeah. losses, the body of work was still That's how good he is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you look at his numbers last year, he and Colt McCoy are the only two quarterbacks in school history to throw for thirty five hundred yards in a season and thirty or more touchdowns. It's okay, still great, but yep. you're right. Not elite. That's the difference. Yeah. So he didn't carry the offense like he did in 2018. Yeah, and then now in 20 or in 2020, you're going to end up having overall of your third 55 third down conversions that Sam threw for 25 went to Duvernay, 10 went to Colin Johnson. So you're replacing 35 of those. Oh, say that stat again. That's good. Third down conversions. Okay. You ended up having 55 of them thrown, thrown. by Sam. Okay. 25 to Duvernay, 10. To Colin Johnson. Wow. That was a pro football focused thing from back in like May. They were randomly putting out numbers, and that's a lot. So, so his th- when he threw the ball on first on third down to get a first down, he basically only threw to du- Duvernay or Colin Johnson most of the time. Yeah, and then when you look at drops <laughs> in the Big awesome. Twelve, this is another pro football focused their college account. Uh, since 2017, minimum 200 targets. Big Twelve receivers with the fewest drops. Number one, Duvernay only yep. four. Number two, Colin Johnson eight. And then you have Dylan Stoner, 11, C.D. Lamb at 12. Yes, so since when? 2001. Since the start of the Herman yeah. era. Yes. Right. So, I mean, you look at that. And that you had as sure-handed of receivers and coming through in those clutches of situations yeah. that you have to replace. And Lil' Jordan Humphrey. I mean, so we're talking yeah. about Colin and Duvernay, but Lil' Jordan Humphrey. That's why I, I do want this year's going to be big for Sam because, as I point out, he's not going to have receivers that, that get the separation or that have the catch radius or that have just the – the, the, the play-breaking ability of a little Jordan Humphrey, a mm-hmm. Devin Duvernay, and a Colin Johnson. He's going to throw wide receivers open. He's going to throw to leverage because guys are not going to be wide open. Well, I take that back. Schematically, we'll see if, if Yursich is able to scheme guys open because last year they didn't scheme guys open. No. It's pretty much if you're one-on-one, we're going to throw a good ball to you and hopefully you can make a play. And that pretty was much. on third and fourth downs. Included. Okay, thank you for that. Yeah. That's good, though. That's good stuff. You ready for this? Yeah. If is the most original and heartfelt movie in years. Magic like this comes around once in a lifetime. This Friday, experience it with your whole family. Can we do it again? If. Ready PG. All right. That's going to do it for this week's show. Matt, thanks for everything, man. You're more than welcome. Rod, we appreciate the time and the knowledge. Uh, anytime, brother. Anytime. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn, 104.9, 1019 AM, 1260, streaming 
on the Horn app at hornfm.com, where you can get Rod B each and every weekday on the Triple Option Afternoon Show with RBKD. Shameless plug. And you can get myself and Craig Way each and every weekday on Light the Tower from 10 to noon. And thanks to Matt, you can get all of our archives, our classic interviews and shows, and that wonderful picture of Rod staring down Dwayne mm. Aquina. Mac I know. Brown I've been looking for that. Did you send me that picture, man? <laughs> I need. I need her. All Somebody three, send it sent to it to me not too. Or maybe I nice. looked it up on the website. Longhorn Blitz. Yeah, <laughs> oh, Longhorn yeah, Blitz yeah. website. Okay. You yeah, can yeah. get it all it's on great. the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. <laughs> yeah, just funny. type in Longhorn Blitz. <laughs> Don't forget to search Horns Twenty Four Seven Podcast anywhere you get your podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. Just search Horns Twenty Four Seven Podcast to get us State of Recruiting. And the flagship, again, search Horns 24-7 Podcast. And don't forget to like us and leave us a review. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I am Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com. The chilling new original docuseries on Paramount+. Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. She's a can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and $15,000 a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount+.